0: This is an ohs.com.au production. Welcome to episode 38 of the Australian Health and Safety Business Podcast. I'm Brendan Tarazzi, the host of the show, and today I'm joined with Gareth Davies from Safer Shore. Good morning, Gareth. Good morning, Brendan. How are you going? I- I'm well, thanks. It's um, it's great to have you on the on the show so you picked my interest the other day I got an email and, and there's been uh, uh, the first prosecution in Queensland under was it the industrial manslaughter charge yeah that's right yeah. T- tell us about what's happened
1: uh, so there was a charge um, laid against a couple of officers under the Act um, and that finally eventuated in being a um, yeah, becoming a, a gain of trial and, and a prosecution being ran up here. Uh, it was run by um, a legal firm that we work with, um, uh, partner Harold Downs, ran um, for the defendants. Uh, he, and in the end, they've uh, ended up having the prosecution. Um, we've had our, the, the laws up here in Queensland for since October uh, 2017. Um, so it's been a little while coming it was always going to be interesting how I guess that played out um, and what happened uh, in the end the uh, two defendants they were, um, the company was Brisbane Auto Recycling um, and yeah they were both found um, to be guilty I'm just trying to find the actual specifics here from, um, what, from what I
0: read it was something to do with one of the one of the employees driving a forklift unlicensed and it unfortunately killed another worker is that
1: yeah yeah sorry yeah that's the specifics of the actual incident yeah. um, they um, they entered guilty pleas um, for the two directors uh, and they had a category on charges of reckless conduct against them um, yeah I was obviously determined they failed to exercise um, Due diligence and, and were charged and fined or convicted and fined three million dollars um, and sentenced to ten months imprisonment. But interesting enough, it was wholly suspended for twenty months, so um, they won't serve any jail time as a result of that. But yeah, it was a little bit complex and um, probably better minds than me can uh, give you all the
0: details about
1: it. Um, we put a link. Yeah.
0: What What about the fine? What does that? How do they come up with the with the fine? But yeah, look, basically it shuts reality, down your
1: business, doesn't it? If you're a company, it shuts down your business. In reality, they won't be paying uh, any of that fine, is my understanding. Um, so yeah, look, I think in, in in effect, they'll yeah won't don't have a business. Um, there was some complications around, um, you know, that they were refugees and and um, visas and all that kind of stuff. So uh, there's definitely some complexities there.
0: As I mm. say, they,
1: I know Harold and his team worked very closely with. Um, Uh, some, um, what are they called, the the, uh, visa? uh, like the immigration.
0: uh, Immigration
1: uh, agents, that's what I was thinking of. So had a couple of those guys working um, on the case full-time as well. So, yeah, it's very complex and probably, um, as we say, not not necessarily the easiest um, first test of these laws Mm. um, to go through court, you know, um, quite complex, definitely.
0: But I guess what it does do is highlight the fact to other businesses that this stuff is real and it can happen. Yeah, yeah,
1: definitely. And particularly with, with as we, as we talked about and in that article we sent out around um, the progressive, um, you know, endorsement of these types of legislation across the country um, uh, that, you know, you need to be ready, need to be on the front foot uh, and definitely directors, officers under the acts need to be um, prepared and, and make sure they're they're following and implementing their due diligence.
0: So, so what a new client comes to you, Gareth? Um, or I guess let's take a back step and just tell us what Safe for Sure actually does.
1: Yeah. So, Safe for Sure is a um, safety, quality, environmental consulting uh, company. We I started the business in uh, two thousand and fourteen, um, and just saw an opportunity uh, to be able to support and help a wide range of, of businesses. I guess um, we fall in that space of being compliance um, driven, which is can sometimes be a, a negative term in our, our industry. But um, basically we help businesses find solutions uh, and, and help them to ensure that they're legally compliant. Um, we do a range of other activities as well. And um, a lot of our business is shaped around incident investigation. Um, having investigated fatalities uh, all the way down to work cover um, and insurance investigations for, for incidents and common law claims and all that kind of stuff. So um, we have a wide spread there. And as, as um, you and I were briefly chatting about uh, off was that we um, partner with a range of organisations. So we try and offer a holistic uh, service to our clients across uh, HR, training, uh, occupational medicine, uh, occupational hygiene. Um, what else do we do? Uh, we've got drug and alcohol professionals that work really closely with us. So a broad cross section of people that can help support clients that all, you know, closely interconnect with health and safety under that broad banner. Mm. Um, you know, mental health professionals, uh, employee assistance programs, uh, legal firms. So again, we might get clients come to us and say, "Oh, we've had this incident," so we'll go and respond. But we talk them through the process of engaging lawyers and um, and how to work under legal privilege and then get the lawyers to do that bit first before we get too heavily involved. So, yeah, we have a good um, network of people that we, we partner up with.
0: And so do you find that most companies have something in place or does it just depend on the industry?
1: Uh, probably a little bit the industry, a little bit the size of the company um, for probably as many calls as we get for... Um, you know can you review our system we probably get a call saying can you write us the system because we've had nothing and we've been in operation for X number of years so mm. um, and that, look I don't think that's that's not a um, uh, you know a naive um, take in a lot of ways I mean directors unfortunately gravitate to what they're good at yeah. um, you know I was funnily enough listening to um, your last podcast with Scott Coleman who we've spoken to about trying to utilize some of his technology with our, um, our clients, but the, listening to him talk about saying, Oh, the business side, isn't my thing. And, and it's not mine either. Typically, you know, I've, I've had to learn over the last six years, um, that side of it. So, you know, someone running a business who's technically good at, um, waste management or technically good at, um, automotive or construction or whatever it might be, that's where their head is. They want to put mm-hmm. out the best product they possibly can. Um, and yes, sometimes sometimes they turn a blind eye to it. Sometimes they just um, they they don't know what they don't know. So um, that's when they get a phone call either through our network or our referral partners who who put them our way, and we we help them in the most pragmatic and um, simple way to to meet their obligations under the Act and and provide a safe work environment for their workers, but also protect them from things like industrial manslaughter and other. Um, Know, potential prosecution
0: so um, what do you think is better? Is it better for a company to have nothing in place or like say uh, if it's a new customer like so I guess nothing in a place you've got a complete uh, blank canvas where you can put the right systems in straight away versus something in place which might require yeah. a whole change management process as well.
1: Yes, yeah, so there's probably two parts. That one I remember a lawyer always saying to me uh, early on. He'd rather go to court and um, and I, whether this is still rings true or not, but rather go to court uh, and defend you for doing the right thing and having no systems, as yeah. opposed to having all the systems and and doing and not following them. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: but I guess on the other side of it, for us as consultants now, when we get rung and 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 brought in. Um, sometimes again it's if it's a very um complicated and and disjointed system uh we can spend more time reviewing it uh and trying to adjust it to suit as opposed to writing something that that fits that company and is specific to how they operate. I think one of the things that that our industry falls down in um uh, our industry falls down is the fact that we have a lot of people that, that churn out kind of cookie cutter systems and that's not the way it's meant to work. It's not, you know, we, people sell things that just don't suit that particular business. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do our best to, you know, like everyone, we've all got our templates and, and, and our, our things to try and reduce the time. Um, but we, yeah, we really work with our clients to understand their business and integrate that into the way
0: the systems operate. Because I'd imagine that's the challenging part—is like making sure that these companies don't just have another policy or procedure sitting on the shelf, um, that it's actually they're walking the walking the talk, so to speak.
1: Yeah, that's right, and it's also really difficult as well for certain industries where um, their clients, particularly if you're a services-based business, or um, I guess the mining industry is a good example. Construction is the same where you develop something to meet legal obligations, but then you're contracting to a tier one or a a large mine site or multinational mining organisation. But all of those companies have different takes on how they want the information presented or what their minimum requirements are. So um, it can kind of put us in a bit of a a rock and hard place when we're asked to write something to meet legal obligations, but then um, there's all these other stakeholders that are impacting what their systems need to do. And that's how people's systems get out of control, where... They're just adding a bit here and a bit there and a bit there, and um, all of a sudden they've got all these um, expectations that, yeah, are never getting met.
0: So does that mean you write to the highest level of compliance? Is that how it works? Or (laughs) yeah, we try to. Um, If if
1: it's like a company, so we've had one recently who's a quarrying company, so operates under the um, Queensland Quarrying Mining Safety and Health Act, and then operates a civil construction business, so. Um, where we've had to write specific to that piece of legislation. We've done that, but where the company's trying to set a standard in the business, then, yeah, typically we've written to the highest piece of legislation.
0: And so uh, what were you doing
1: before, say for sure? Uh, So prior to this role, I was a national uh, health, safety, environment, quality and rehab manager at Hutchinson Builders. Oh, okay. Yeah, so Hutchies, when I left there, was – Oh, about a $1.5 billion a year construction, national construction company and they've grown exponentially and we still do work for them and support them but, um, they're, yeah, they're now uh, near on or close enough to 3000000000 billion a year. So Yeah, they've got um, a great
0: great reputation, Hutchies, don't they?
1: Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. They have had a great reputation for a number of years, yeah, definitely.
0: That, that would have been the systems that you put in, Gareth
1: yeah right. so, so, well I guess so I can't take all the all the credit or all the blame one way or the other, but um, we uh, yeah it's a, again a very unique business that um, operates with team leaders who are effectively their own construction company, um, you know and have to have their own resourcing to to deliver their works other than you know kind of accounts i. t. Um, they have to have their own health and safety people within their team. Um, and finance uh, and payroll are the only things that kind of fall outside. But um, yeah, they operate across all industry sectors. Um, you know, we were doing my, one of my first major roles with them was setting up all the safety systems for the mining sector in Queensland, yeah. uh, and that was on on mine site as well as off mine site, building camps and stuff. So it was a yeah pretty unique role in a, in a unique business, uh, to
0: be frank. So do you think that was sort of a um... I guess a great training ground for you to start your own health and safety consultancy, like uh, seeing yeah, what, different industries. And
1: yeah, definitely. Look, I have seen. I've been lucky enough to see different industries. I, I first, um, when I left uni and I, I studied a Bachelor of Health Science, majoring health safety health and environment. I, um, you know, I worked at uh, a steel mill, um, creating uh, round hollow section and all that kind of stuff. Then I. Got asked to go to New Caledonia with uh, Komatsu, uh, and then after his contract there, came back into their branch in southeast Queensland. So I got to see again you know, and, and support the business in building really large uh, machinery on site, as well as running the workshop down in, in Rockley in Brisbane. Uh, then went to civil construction and then um, went to Hutchies after that. So, yeah, I've been across a lot of industries um, and worked in a lot both as a safety professional and not just as a you know, labourer or machine operator, all that kind of stuff while I was studying. And I guess I grew up with my father's a um a civil engineer who, who worked at a very high level within um you know John Hollands and golden contractors and companies like that. Um, so yeah, uh, I've been lucky enough to see a lot of industries anyway. So it's uh yeah, been pretty good now having the business that we've got experience when we've gone to these different industries, and particularly when doing investigations, that we have a knowledge base around that industry. Uh, even if it is only limited, at least you can kind of start talking the, the lingo with, with that, that industry-specific um, yeah, knowledge.
0: And do you use a certain type of um, investigation method or is it a proprietary
1: method? Um, no, so we <laughs> I guess I, myself, personally, I kind of use a blend of all of them. Um, yeah. Predominantly, we're asked to use the ICAM um, methodology. Um, but that being said, I, I did TapRed at university. Um, yeah, have used ICAM a lot. And then just general um, techniques that you picked up along the way. I think probably in, in our time in the business, we've um, I would have done as a company, we definitely would have done in excess of uh, 400 probably investigations and, and which probably equates to well over a thousand statements that we've taken. So I think one of the things we push around the investigation um, model is is witness statement taking uh, and making sure that you're actually um, getting the information you need at that point. A lot of people get someone to write something down on a bit of paper and it means nothing, um, you know, When a professional comes in, and also means nothing really in in two, three, four years' time if you do end up in court. So, um, yeah, that that technique is is quite important to your investigation.
0: So it's like future-proofing all your investigations to make sure that all the work you're doing now actually can mean something if it needs to be in the future.
1: Yeah, that's right. And we used to do, when I first started, we did a lot of work cover common law claims up here in Queensland. So, yeah, you're coming in three, four years down the track and trying to, well, at least, sorry, probably at least 18 months, if not up to three, four years' time, trying to dig up information, trying to track down people. And, you know, what seemed trivial back then is now potentially going to cost your company um, or cost your insurance claim, you know, upwards of a million dollars. So, yeah, it's important to get that stuff right up front.
0: So, with with the new laws that have come in, where you can't, you know, companies and directors of companies can't uh, insure against the the WHS, uh, you know, fines. Mm. How do how do you think that's going to change the landscape, or or do you think that companies will continue just to be reactive? Um, Um, Yeah, I think. uh, Look, I don't know if
1: that alone will will make changes. I don't think a lot of directors were overly savvy to insuring against. Fines, I mean, a lot of people have the insurance that covers um, costs for legal and so on, but um, I don't think many people that we'd worked with in the past actually were that, um, yeah, as I say, that that forward thinking to have the insurance for any potential fines. Um, and if they were or if they'd had that conversation with their insurer, they probably didn't think it would happen to them anyway, so they didn't have it. Um,
0: yeah, that's right. That, if you were that organised, you you'd have you'd have good systems in place in the first place, so…
1: Yeah, probably. Yeah, that's right. Or or maybe they didn't feel they were in a high risk or, or
0: yeah. Or their sites just weren't gonna be exposed to
1: that. So um I think what, what will change and what we've seen anyway, as I say, Queensland's had this um legislation since October twenty seventeen and um I think the the thing that we've seen is either directors' officers um who have not pursued or actively promoted a health and safety system and a health and safety culture um, are now starting to think, oh, okay, hang on, this this can directly impact me now. Um, so, I mean, you know, you, the, the prosecutions won't it won't matter if all your, wife's, um, your wife owns all your property, um, you'll still be the one that's in jail kind of thing. So I think that's starting to resonate with them and they're um, pushing forward. And, and we've had a couple of clients where, say, so the company secretary or the safety manager have, have, are trying really hard with their um, directors and then they've used this as leverage, even if putting the literature in front of them, um, they've used this leverage to actually get some, some endorsement or approval um, to pursue and push ahead with safety um, systems and audits and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, it is, um, it's hard to change the way companies act, I guess,
1: yeah, I think as well. Like if you've been around, I don't know, twenty years or thirty years or however long you've been in industry, and you haven't, you know, you haven't had to, um, you know, ride in an ambulance with someone or go and visit a family member of an injured worker or, and actually have those conversations. Like I say, it doesn't it doesn't resonate with you. You know, you've you've whether through um, good management or good luck, you've you've managed to make it through your career without having to do that. So. Um, and we sit on the other end, like I've given evidence in court at a fatality. Um, you know, I've gone and sat with you know, seriously injured um, with brain injuries or, um, or multiple fractures, all that kind of stuff, uh, amputations, all that, and sit with family members and sit with the injured worker. Um, and so I think that's where, um, for us, obviously, it's, it's important mm-hmm. and, and why we do what we do because we don't want people to end up that way, but for directors and owners who haven't, ever seen that um, yeah it's, it, it's just not it's in the not headspace real. to actually yeah yeah, yeah. They, they want to push ahead and, and not not wrongly but they want to push ahead and you know and make money and, and look after their family and look after their workers and all that from that side of things and make sure people are kept employed and particularly in current times you know um, there's been signs both side of the scale where people have yeah you know made sure their staff stayed employed and kept paying them and there's others where you know people have use it to a degree as an excuse to um, put people aside and get rid of dead wood and, and you know, um, yeah, so I think uh, directors do what they do to, to keep their business going and sometimes safety isn't necessarily at the forefront of their mind.
0: Mm. So what's, the, what's your plans with um, Safer Shore? Where where are you taking the business from here? They're um, going for six years, so that seems like yep. it's pretty well established now.
1: Yeah, I'd like to think so. I mean, I guess uh, for every milestone you reach and having just ticked over a financial year, we we achieved some milestones this year, which was great, um, especially given uh, the COVID situation. But um, we, yeah, I think um, our goals are to continue uh, our upward trajectory. I mean, well, like I said, we're we're pricing tendering against uh, some of our longer established, let's say, and, and national consultancies and, and getting on panels and uh, winning tenders in all sorts of different areas, which is which is really nice to see for us and uh, supports the model that we have where we try and make sure we put the most experienced um, in that particular industry or discipline, you know, can put the most experienced consultant forward uh, and, and try and put a really unique tender together where we add the most amount of value um, to the client. So, um, I think there hasn't been a client that's come to us with a problem that through our network, we haven't been able to solve, whether that's under our banner or just directly referring them to the right person. So yeah, we just want to keep growing and um, continue with our sustainable growth across um, the country, which we've had. We service all um, states probably with the minimal amount in in WA, but we, we can service all states. We're in, South Australia, at least every every quarter. Um, done a lot of stuff in Tasmania in the past, so yeah, just continuing upward trajectory. I think.
0: Oh, that's brilliant, brilliant. Okay, well, I've got just five short questions to wrap up, Gareth. Uh, yep. First, how old are you? Uh, what am
1: I now? Thirty-eight.
0: And um, how many hours sleep are you getting each night?
1: Uh, yeah, that's um, a topic of conversation with my doctor <laughs> at the moment. So. <laughs> Uh, About six normally, six or seven probably, so yeah, not enough.
0: enough. And what do you like to do to keep fit? Uh, So I've got
1: four young kids, so I try and um, get out and do stuff with them. Again, another topic of conversation with the doctor. I haven't done a lot lately, um, which COVID didn't help, but I try um, and ride a bit, but I've cut that back. I had a hip replacement 12 months ago at 36, so um, yeah, so I had that done and then um yeah, just trying swimming in the pool, I think, at the moment is the best
0: thing for me. Yeah. And do you have any personal goals you're looking to achieve over the next twelve months?
1: Um, look, we're actually it's been a five year goal, but we're actually about three months from finishing our new house. So um, that's been a big personal and family driven goal. Mm. Um so I think uh from here on for the next few years will be to settle down into that. Um and Like everyone, pay down your mortgage and do all that kind of stuff. But yeah, yeah, look, my personal goals all revolve around the family. So um, yeah, making sure that the family's uh, healthy and progressing through the different levels of schooling and sport and all that kind of stuff that they've got going on. But um, yeah, they're they're the main things.
0: That's excellent. And then finally, um, if you could be remembered for one thing in business or health and safety, what would that be? Um,
1: Yeah, I think the. For business, look I'm by far all my colleagues will, will confess that I'm by far from a from an academic I I wanna be someone that, that helps businesses, you know, solve their problems. So we um we support them through a whole range of different areas and ultimately making safer sites is one of them. Um yeah, so I think as a as a businessman, um someone that's available and ready to help and, and as much as anything, given all the mental health things that go on, um, yeah, being available to support as and where required,
0: I think. And if our listeners want to connect with you, Gareth, what's your website? Uh, our website is uh, safe sure,
1: safeassure.com.au.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Okay, great, Gareth. Thanks very much. Yeah, no
1: worries. That's been excellent.
0: Thanks, Brendan. Mm-hmm. You've been listening to an ohs.com.au production. I hope you've been enjoying listening to the podcast. If you are, it would be great if you could help us out by leaving us a review and sharing this with friends and colleagues.